World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome. This episode is of the show. I'm Jeff, the host of it, and I would like to talk to you about creepypastas. You know what those are because of 10 seconds ago when I told you, and now we're going to have a talk about this episode. Unlike last week's, this one is actually about a creepypasta, I think. It fits the definition. It's a spooky story told in the first person online. It's the type that you could copy and paste and pretend was a spooky thing that happened to you, even if you nece- wouldn't necessarily. Um, unlike last week when we talked about an episode of a children's TV show from 22 years ago, uh, which is definitely not a creepypasta, but I thought it fit because we were talking about it in the Facebook group and also because I feel like the way we mythologize um, spooky things that we watched as a kid sort of turns them into creepypastas, which is why we covered Crybaby Lane on this show. Um, cause that, what, that movie was a real movie that became a creepypasta because it only aired once and was never re-released. Um, and then, like, it was only confirmed to be real in, like, 2011, uh, like, 11 or 12 years after it had first aired, the only time it had aired. So that was interesting. Um, anyway, that's unrelated to what we're doing now, which <laughs> is talking about another story from Saya in Underworld, which was recommended by Dave and chosen off of the recommendation list by me um, and assigned to Cassie Kingsbury. Hello, Creepers. Is Creepers better than Creeps? I think Creepers is better than Creeps. That was very... Whatever distance you were from the mic when you said that was, like, the perfect, like, like perfect voice actor distance. This is just a conversation. I'm, like, sitting back in a chair. It doesn't matter. But, like, if you ever want to, like, put a reel together, just put yourself back in that mindset when you you do the character's voice. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. That's that's really helpful. Uh, Some... Someday I'm going to nail down this audio thing without totally fucking it up, so that's good to hear. Listen, it's fine. I think that these episodes are going to sound much better than the last episodes you were on, Um, which I thought sounded fine, and some people were like, it was fine, and other people were like, it was terrible. But it's all in the past now, (laughs) the very distant past, and we also have on the show, please welcome back to the show once again, Leah Patterson. Hi. Uh, Leah is enjoying a sandwich um, and is, um, in general, a sort of chiller person, which is why her intro involved um, much less speed talking than mine. Um, I feel like, Leah, you don't express your nervous energy in the same way that that I do. I don't have nervous energy. I just wish that I wasn't doing everything all the time. So, like I'm not, Aww. I'm not happy to be here recording this podcast right now. <laughs> oh no! All day I was like, all day I was like, oh, I said I'd do this, and like I'm excited to talk about it, but I don't wow. really want to. So, oh, you could have just been like, I don't ever want to be on the show again, and then I wouldn't. No, have no, it's you. totally fine. I need to do things. <laughs> 
I really do not enjoy not doing like my things 100% of the time, but I am a human being. (laughs) I do have only like two friends at this point. I'm trying to branch out. Oh, Leah, I'll be your friend. Okay. I, I also only have like two friends, so we could be friends, and then we have like another friend. Guys, I'll do I my also best. only have two friends. <laughs> One of them is Cassie, and the other is Leah's boyfriend, Chris. So yeah, I keep it a very insular world. No, I have more friends than that. Those are just the only two people I text on like a daily or semi-daily basis. Is semi-daily every other day or twice a day? All right, this honesty hour is turning into some logistical nonsense here, and I think we. Can move on is what I'm saying. But thanks for joining us, Leah. You're great. <laughs> All right. So we have this story called Monkey Dream, which involves a lot of footnoted minutiae about Japanese culture, like many of the translated stories from this blog do. Uh, and I found it interesting for that way. Um, Cassie, will you walk us through it? I will, but I sure did not read any of those footnotes. <laughs> well, the, like where it says red one to explain what a monkey train is. Yeah, I, I just use context clues. I didn't care. Oh, okay. Uh, but if either of you want to jump in and explain the, the cultural significance, uh, sure, please do. But I, Leah, I'm going to assign that job to you. Yeah, Leah, I feel like I jumped all over the episode last time. So, okay, um, what's my job? Your job <laughs> is when Cassie reaches one of the three footnoted items either monkey train, uh, slice okay. alive, or I the read it. I explain it. I got term it. For, yeah, little people, you have to do it. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. So this story, uh, as Jeff, I think, mentioned, it was originally written uh, by someone in Japan in Japanese, and someone has taken it upon themselves to translate it into English so that we, the English speakers, can enjoy it. It's very nice. Um, It's in first person, and the narrator is talking about how they, um, sometimes when they're a kid, can, uh, when they're dreaming, they realize that they're dreaming. And they're talking about a weird dream that they had one time when they were a kid, which is that they were um, on a train platform and then the train pulls up and it's not like a regular train. It's something called a monkey train. Okay. So the footnote says that that's what some people call a toy train in Japan, which is also not a term that I'm familiar with. I'm assuming that it's like the trains that you see at like amusement parks, the tiny ones that drive you around the park. And it says yeah, that there used a, to be a link to a photo, a photo of an actual famous monkey train from Tokyo that was driven by a real monkey, but the monkey <gasps> didn't actually drive the train. Oh, I got so excited and so let down <laughs> in the span of like one second. In front of the train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. So, okay. So we're, we're at a creepy train platform. Train pulls up. It's not a real train. It's one of these amusement park trains or whatever. Okay. So um, there's people sitting on the train and the narrator is like, all right, uh, I could wake myself up right now, but I'm just going to get on the train and see what happens. And then there's this uh, announcement that comes over, I guess, the loudspeaker of the train. And it says the train is departing. And the way that um, all of these announcements are written, it's like the last word is dragged out with lots of extra letters. So it's like the train is departing. Although probably (laughs) it's like supposed to be creepy, but like I just heard it as being like annoyingly stretched out in my head. (laughs) 
Um, so anyway, uh, they're on the train for a little while, and then the announcer says, the next station is Sliced Alive. Sliced Alive! Another footnote. Okay, the footnote. Um, so that basically says that it's a word that I can't pronounce, ikizukori or something. Ike, and it's referred- <laughs> Okay, awesome. They're, they're referring to a fish dish where the fish is served live and whole, where slices are uh, cut off and put back in place. Uh, yeah. It's, oh my uh, god. It translates fine as sliced alive, but it's very interesting that it was like a very specific reference in Japanese. I've, I found that somewhat fascinating. I think there's I, a recipe for see this my in the um, Hannibal Cookbook. Uh, oh yeah, to make to make Ikezukuri person. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, well, that's uh, all. Yeah, it's... It's they they take uh they take sushi to the next level um right. by eating it so raw that it's still alive gross that uh, is or whatever super cultural gross. relativism I don't know I think um, it's gross but I didn't grow up there so I I think it's pretty gross and I don't eat any fish at all and I'm very sad right now <laughs> um, I don't know that I would want to eat something that was being like cut while it's that was aware of its suffering while it was alive I already am like slowly cutting out eating things that only suffer I don't know what I'm saying they suffer their whole lives and then they die but the, the idea of eating something that's alive while it's alive is just this whole other level of like no never that's definitely morally wrong yeah that's um, weird um anyway when I read that I kind of you know I gathered that sliced alive meant you know like being sliced up but I didn't realize yeah. that it was a it was referring to a specific dish so thank you for that context uh <laughs> Continuing on, this is also something that gave me pause, so I'm glad to see that there's some context here. Uh, he says, or I'm sorry, the narrator says that there is a man in the back who's suddenly surrounded by f- quote unquote four ugly <laughs> midgets. Um, and I think okay. that's uh, an offensive term to use. And also the whole, it's all just offensive because they're ugly. And what's going on here, Leah? The footnote actually does not clear that up. Um, It's like a footnote from the person translating, and it says, I've got nothing against little people. In fact, I measure only about five feet that I might be called a midget myself. Oh, my God. Um, So I think it's just a good old case of not understanding what's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is just a cultural difference. I think the person who writes yeah. this is a Japanese speaker primarily. And um, also this post is from 2008 when I think we were a little less clear on which uh, words were not okay to call people. Um, no, we, I was definitely watching Little People Big World in 2008 and they taught us all the correct exi- terminology. Did that show exist in 2008? That was nine years ago. I know. Time goes by wildly. Anyway, the point being, that's not nice. And also, like, clearly these are supposed to be um, not really, like, human. Like, they sound like they're supposed to be almost monsters because they're, like, ugly and they're dressed in rags. So I'm really not happy with that word choice. 
Um, but I'm going to move on. Um, before what happens? Oh, so anyway, these, um, these, I don't know what to say about them. These people come on and they start Little to Little gremlins cut. is, I think, fine, probably. <laughs> well, I, Because they're yeah. clearly, they're clearly, like, not human. Like, they're described as human and I think that's demeaning, but yeah. because they're presented as monsters. <laughs> right. So I kind of wish they had just been more clearly monsters, but uh, either yeah. way, these people, these monstrous things come on and um, they start to cut up the man who's sitting at the back of the train into pieces with sharp knives. And it's just like this sliced fish <laughs> dish. And uh, then there's some really graphic description of uh, the body being sliced up. And there's like, oh, this is this was funny to me. There's like intestines and organs and stuff. And the phrase chunks of meat is used. And I was like, why am I always on this show talking about the creepypastas that have chunks of meat? Why? Uh, anywho, uh, they move along after that man gets killed dead. And the announcement says the next station is gouging out, gouging out. Uh, so then, of course, these these uh, things come back and they uh, go to the person who's sitting next on the train and uh, use spoons to gouge out her eyeballs. And there's more gross description of that. So that's pretty gross. Anyway, the next person, the next seat over is the narrator. And the next station, according to the announcer, is mincemeat, mincemeat. And the narrator's really freaked up and freaked out and says, okay, I got to wake myself up. Um, the monsters come back and they've got some kind of like buzzsaw type thing that they're like waving at the narrator and the narrator's like, oh God, I gotta wake up. And they do. And it's fine. And, uh, basically the narrator, um, then just like goes on with their life. And I think there's like a time jump of several years and they're like, and then I went to college and lots of other stuff happened and I forgot about the dream. Um, then one night as an adult, uh, they have a dream again where they're on the train and it starts with the gouging out, gouging out. And they watch this person's eyes get gouged out again. Um, and they try to wake up, but this time it's really hard to wake up. And then the, this, the announcement comes about mincemeat, mincemeat. And they're like, Oh gosh, wake up. I gotta wake up. I gotta wake up. And then, um, finally they wake up and they open their eyes, but then they hear a voice that says, you're running away again, but the next time is going to be your last. And uh, that's really scary. And they're thinking like, oh, gosh, why is this happening to me? Um, I don't know, like, what what to do. What if I'm, I had the dream again and I die? And it just kind of peters out and nothing really happens. And that's the end. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. It's a very strange one because we've read a bunch of stories from this site and um, there's like we've talked about other Japanese ghost stories in general and there's usually some method to defeating the ghost like it'll offer you a choice uh, between two things and the way you defeat it is to pick a third thing or say oh no thank you um, and then it goes away um, or like there was a story about someone's like grandpa turning into some some kind of goopy ghost monster and the um what was the solution there that one might have also not had a solution oh there was hachi shakusama where the solution uh was that they had to like get the guy away and like do a prayer and they could keep the ghost trapped but this one i found interesting because there doesn't seem to be a definitive source for the monster um or the threat let's say and also the the um the there doesn't 
doesn't seem to be any way to defeat the uh, threat at all. Uh, yeah, that's actually what I really, I mean, one of the things I really disliked about it. I, I didn't necessarily need there to be a, a way to defeat the threat, but I wanted to see it played out. Like, they introduced this idea that you get one more chance or, you know, th- the next time will be your last time. And then it sort of ends with the narrator speculating about what might happen, but we don't actually see what happens. So I just feel like the writer got uh, tired of writing this story and ended it abruptly. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely is a creepypasta in the purest sense that it's meant to be like, a, ooh, this spooky thing happened to me. Do you believe it? And it's like, well, no, I don't. Um, so it doesn't have a satisfying end to it. Um, Leah, how did you feel about this story? I thought it was gross. I don't know. Uh, it, it, didn't, it didn't scare me. I just felt kind of like I was going to vomit the entire time I was reading it. It was, it, I mean, I guess it was like that distinction between like a horror movie that's psychological and one that's all gore. Not for me. Um, I guess it was kind of spooky because there were, there was gore. I don't know. I just, it grossed me out. I just did not like all of, I don't like that they're using food words to describe how they're mincing this person um that's a that's a food yeah. term i'm uncomfortable with that <laughs> it's just gross i thought that the Sorry. uh the, i thought the minced meat was too similar to the sliced alive personally like I just felt that the threat needed to be something uh, different because I've, I mean, it's, and it's kind of wacky. Like the first, what was the first one? The first one was sliced alive. That's like really intense. And if you read it, it's like this person is cut completely to little bits. And then the second one is getting uh, your eyeballs gouged out, which is very scary, certainly, and still terribly graphic and horrific. But like, you could survive that. And then the third one is mincemeat, which just to me was like, oh, they're doing the same thing as the first thing again. I don't know. I thought that they needed to do something different. I'd I'd be interested to know a more um, direct translation of the mincemeat part, because mincemeat is one of those cases like head cheese, where it's not actually the words that are in it. Um, Like, mincemeat is is like a a jam that you put pie in. Um, Originally, it always contained meat, according to the Wikipedia I'm looking at. But uh, as far as I know now, for the most part, it's like a like a fruit filling for a pie, mincemeat pie. Um, So I don't know. It's it's I'd be interested to know if it referred to like ground beef or something. Hmm. I still think it's too similar, but I don't care to try to think of something else because I mean, it was unclear what the goal was because gouging your eyes out isn't a food thing, but slicing and mincing both are. Yeah. So what were they doing with these people? They were just injuring them horrifically. I'm assuming the guy with his eyes gouged out lived. Where does he go when the train stops? We don't know because the narrator woke up. Was it a different person each time? Like, are these other dreamers that are having their final train ride? Well, he's also in the third row. He says that he sits in the third row. So there are people in front of him, too, I assume. Because this is all going going on behind him. Yeah, he says he's in the third row from the back. So it's uh, the two before and then the next one's going to get him. But like, yeah, are there people in front? Or is this a very short train? Or is it literally just those three people? who are incredibly close, like, you could maybe help them. Like, you could maybe push those monsters off of them. Yeah, that actually bothered me, too. Like, why are we just... I mean, part of what's creepy about it, actually, is that you're just sitting on this train and allowing these horrible things to be done to you. Um, Like, because I feel like you could at least try to, like, fight the monsters off before they start gouging your eyeballs out. 
but they do. Yeah. They, just, they just sit still and kind of let it happen. So that's kind of like an extra creepy element, actually. Yeah, it's weird because there's a bunch of stuff about this story that I think is effective. And then there's some stuff that like just doesn't work, like the inconsistency of the train stop announcements between food and not food. Uh, this part bothers me at the end where the narrator is certain for sure that this last <laughs> voice wasn't part of the dream. This is like when people talk about like, um, like, oh, I woke up and I saw a figure in my room. It's like, no, you didn't. You just woke up. It's your eyes playing tricks on you. Like, I, I get that that's scary, but like the human brain has evolved in such a way where the main thing it's doing all the time is trying to find predators, and those predators are shaped like humans and have faces, so we see human shapes and human faces everywhere all the time. So like, when you're just waking up, yeah, all those shadows look like people. When you're just waking up, yeah, you're certain that that voice from your dream was in real life. So it's like, it's it's such a... I wish the author had done something to indicate to the reader, besides the narrator just telling us, that it actually was from outside the dream. Because the narrator... I honestly it's thought he was going... Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, it's, I was just going to say it's an unreliable narrator. It's fine. Go ahead. I thought that he was going to wake up and be on the train still. Like, I thought it was going to be this, like, never-ending yeah. thing. Ooh, and then he woke up nice. and was like, there's one more time for me to have this dream, and then the story is over. And I was like, oh, I, that's fine, I guess. You die in your dream. Okay. I think that that's kind of, I mean, like what Jeff was saying, it's supposed to be the type of creepypasta where it's like, this thing really happened to me. So I guess the story stops at this point so that the narrator can type it on the internet and share it with all of us. But right. that... I mean, I guess that's fine, but I feel like that little, uh, like, that's not worth sacrificing a good story for, because it would have been so yeah. much better to play it out to the third time and see what happens. Yeah, I want this story to be posted on the internet as a warning to other people who have, might have a similar dream of how to defeat the dream ghost. I think that would be a more effective and interesting story if it was like, oh, yeah, you might encounter this uh, creepy train in your dreams. Here's how to beat it. Uh, you go through it three times, and then on the third time, you do special action, and the ghost lets you go. But we don't get that. Yeah, it's funny because some in we've talked about other stories where being an internet story has lent so much to them and like made them like that structure and context makes them successful. And then this is one where I'm just like, eh, I really needed this to be different. <laughs> Yeah, it's so interesting, because um, there's so much about this damned online uh, that lends... <laughs> there's just, like, cool storytelling opportunities or media opportunities in general. Like, you never would have had 20 years ago a 12-hour-long uh, TV show that was just a guy playing through a video game and talking over it. But now that's the most popular uh, thing that people watch on YouTube. <laughs> Um, they watch hundreds of thousands of hours of people 
just straight playing a video game and talking over it. Um, and that's something that just wouldn't exist without this specific form of being able to consume it at your own pace whenever you want on pretty much, pretty much wherever you are, because we all have web browsers and YouTube and whatever on our phones and our laptops and our TVs. But like, and a lot of these creepypastas getting back to it will usually use forms of like online chat or message board posts no sleep is a great example where all of those stories take the form of a post on a reddit where you post about creepy things that happen to you um and so it allows this opportunity where you don't have to pretend like oh i don't know what's gonna happen next time you can just tell the whole story the fact that you're posting it already makes us know that you don't die at the end <laughs> yeah you gotta have a special thing that's like and we found this on his computer and decided to post it um leah did you have any um st- hmm. i don't know how to word this question um do you have any interaction with online message boards as a youth uh in the style that we've mentioned with uh like people posting maybe made up stories no but i downloaded the reddit app on my phone the other day so that i can read the creepy reddit board where they talk about creepy <laughs> things that happen to that happen to them at work um but That's li- literally that is my first experience with it i never used any like forums or anything unless they were for like having pimples when i was 13. see that was my suspicion um because <laughs> i feel i feel like by the time um by the time like social media rose uh, in the mid 2000s message boards were replaced they were replaced by like facebook and twitter and myspace and live journal and yeah, that I never even had like a live 2003 journal. to 2008. Yeah. Like, because 2006 is when Facebook launched for high school students, and then I think everybody. Um, and that changed that. I feel like that was the final, like, all right, we're going to lower the casket now for web forums. Um, <laughs> and then when did when did Reddit launch? I feel like that was like 2010 or something more recently. Why did I Google Reddit? Why did I go to reddit.com to find that out? I, sh- I wanted to Google Reddit and go to the Wikipedia page for Reddit. Obviously, <laughs> that's what I wanted to do to find that out. Uh, Cassie, did you do message boards as a youth? Uh, so I did, but I was part of a vast network of people who would socialize on the Neopets message boards. Oh, uh, I did yes. use those message boards. Oh, yes. We like, I had like a whole series of friends. I still have one friend who I am now a Facebook friend with, and I know they're a real person. Um, but yeah, I, was, I would just go on and we would just talk about all sorts of things, uh, but specifically through the Neopets website. Interesting. My main one was for, um, well, I guess there were two. I had one that a real life friend introduced me to, um, that was like a collaborative storytelling message board. Um, and the other one was, um, this kind of uses esoteric language that I will explain immediately afterwards. It was called the Game Sprite Archives, and it was for custom spriting and also ripping sprites from games. Now, here's what all of that means. What the fuck um, is a sprite, Jeff? 
Sorry, go on. <laughs> uh, a, sp- a sprite is an individual unit of pixel art, like the art of Mario in the old 2D Mario games. Uh, uh, Mario would be a sprite. Uh, he's represented on screen by a sprite. And the Goombas are represented on screen by sprites. And there is a tile set of sprites representing the backgrounds and stuff, uh, which are always, of course, uh, in repeating tiles. Um, and so what our hobby on this board was to uh, using emulators to play these games on our computers, we would try to take the cleanest images of these sprites and put them together in like GIFs and stuff just to have a full archive of sprites of games. Um, And then also sometimes we would go into an image editing program and turn those sprites into custom artwork. Um, And that was the probably the main message board I used as a young person. Uh, now I'm out to the world as as this uh, very esoteric hobby I had as a team. Um, that is like the single nerdiest thing I have ever have paid attention to <laughs> in my life. <laughs> uh, I, I hope I did a good job explaining it. Um, Reddit was founded in 2005 for the record. So yes, right around the time I was thinking. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, this is the type of story that seems like it would have appeared on a message board, like 4chan or something. Or I guess because it's Japanese, 2chan, which is the Japanese uh, predecessor, 2chan or 2channel, and I don't know what that means, so I don't know why I provided the full name. Um, 2chan's English equivalent was uh, 4chan, and then 4chan's um, Nazi hate group equivalent was 8chan. Um, and that's the, that and Reddit is like all that exists of message boards anymore. So I figured this was probably posted on something like that, right? It's kind of weird because sometimes when I'm Googling, uh, sort of random topics, you'll get sources that are message board, message boards, but it's like from over a decade ago. Like if I'm like, I don't know, like if you're just like Googling something, um, like, I don't know, I was looking up like taking melatonin to help you sleep at night. And then it's like, well, this chat board this message board in 2005 has a really interesting thread about this and it's like it's just it's just weird to see those things because they're all still there they're still on the internet they're just not actively used anymore in the same way except of course on reddit etc yeah yeah there's the straight dope message boards if you google any question you'll probably get a result on the first page that's from the straight dope message boards which is just a like traditional bbs style like web forum for asking questions that people will try to help answer for you. Um, uh, For the record, uh, I think melatonin can provide a placebo effect, but I don't think that there are any studies backing up that taking melatonin supplements helps with sleep. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. Uh, That question was already answered for me me by someone in 2005. Uh, I bought a whole bottle of I bought a bottle of melatonin chewies and once I found out that they uh, you couldn't like overdose on them I ate the whole thing and it didn't like make me sleep at all Uh, well that might have been the sugar counteracting any effect though I'm just making that up I have no clue (laughs) oh that would be great it's like oh we have these melatonin things but it's um uh it's there's sugar in it so they don't work (laughs) So it's just, it's just like some zero, like you're fine. You can just have all of them. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's enough about this story, which we were talking about. What are we talking about? (laughs) Uh, Leah, what did you, what was the scariest part of monkey dream for you? 
Um, I was really disheartened by the fact that the narrator saw those people being murdered. And I think the first thought he has is, okay, I can work with this or something like that. I was like, (laughs) oh, I don't know who's the bad guy in this story. Um, how about you, Cassie? What's the spooky part? I don't know. Um, um, I guess I'll say that thing in the end where the person's like, uh, the next time's your last time, just because that is a scary thing to think about. Yeah. I, um, I found the train announcer spooky. Yeah, this story was mostly not scary, which is a little disappointing. Um, well, that's all we're gonna say about this episode. Cassie, can you please tell the people where they can reach you on the internet? Sure. My, uh, handle on Twitter and Instagram is at love of strings. And Leah, where can the people find you in the ways you want? You can go to my website, which is L-I-A-H Patterson with one T dot com. Oh, and of course, you can find me at weaponizedlanguage.com, or I think the funtimes.online URL is still active, so <laughs> go to funtimes.online. That's fun to type in, I think. Um, you write it on bathroom walls in Marker um, to get people to go there. Although they might not read it as a URL, so put the HTTP colon slash slash in front of it, and then they'll <laughs> definitely know this is a URL. Or highlight it after you write it on the bathroom wall and make sure it's uh, tagged as a clickable link. That probably works in the future at some point, right? We'll probably end up having a thing where you don't even need a QR code. You would just like point your Google Glass at um, a string and it would be like, oh yeah, I recognize that as a URL. I'm going to load that page now. <sighs> technology, the future. Anyway, that's there's more episodes of this show. Oh, I forgot to plug my Patreon last episode. Go to patreon.com slash jeffjk and you can hear bonus episodes of me talking about stuff that isn't is out of place on my podcast or reading stories that we've covered on this show. Uh, and I also post stories I write there, which, mm, boy, we're getting towards the end of the month. I should probably write a story, huh? Anyway, uh, that's all for this episode. The next station is Mincemeat.